If you would this morning, join me in our scripture text from the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter, reading verses 13 through 20 this morning. Matthew's gospel, beginning with verse 13 and read through verse 20 this morning. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light. To all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter. Not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. For whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them, teaches them, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you first are salt and light, Lord so that we may be also. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I wanted to set the scene a little bit for you this morning. This particular piece of scripture is found in the Sermon on the Mount. And this picture that you're looking at here was taken this week from the top of the mountain where Jesus preached his famous certain sermon. This is a hill overlooking all of Galilee. You can see the water there in the distance. It is said to be one of the most panoramic views of Palestine that can be seen. So imagine yourselves on the top of this mountain with the crowd that had followed Jesus there they had settled in to hear more of the teachings of this teacher. And so he proceeds to tell the people that are gathered there what those who become his disciples must look for and must expect. My Bill loves his salt. Now, you may know somebody like my Bill, <laughs> somebody who 
before he even settles into his seat to eat, he's grabbing the salt shaker and shaking generously over his plate before they even taste the food. And while that generous sprinkling may or may not be good for your health, and I'm sure that is up for debate, it is exactly right for us as Christians. We are salt, and we are to sprinkle generously, telling and living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there are many different names in the scriptures that God gives his children. They're called sheep, brethren, little ones, branches. When Jesus calls us salt and light, though, he is reminding us that we have both opportunity and responsibility to be an influence in the world. I thought it was very interesting that this particular passage, this verses 13 through 20, comes right after the Beatitudes in Jesus' sermon, those things that Jesus desires for his followers. But if you read that text for yourself, you will notice that immediately following those verses 13 through 20, it is followed up by who Jesus tells us we are through and in him. When we become those things, salt and light, we will be a positive influence in our world. Now, we all know that salt is used to alter or enhance the taste of food. And as a Christian, we should alter or enhance the flavor of the world, the flavor of the world around us. If, if you know much about salt, you, you know that salt can bring out the best in food when used properly. And as Christians, we are salt. When we live out our lives through Christ, we bring out the best in other people people around us. I want to stop right there. When we live out our lives as salt and light, we bring out the best in those around us. Think about that just a minute. Think about the people that you encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. Think about your relationships with family. Do you bring out the best? What is your influence to those people 
that are around you? How do you touch their life? It's easy to think about when we are talking about family, because family's family, right? And we pretty much know for sure how we influence family. But what is your witness, and how do you influence those that you come in contact with that you don't even know? Those cashiers at the stores, postmen, maybe a gatekeeper somewhere. The list could go on and on. How do you interact? How do you touch the lives of those that are around you? If you think about it, Jesus touched and influenced people all the time. The stories go on and on in the scripture about Jesus' interaction with the people around him and how after that interaction, they were better because of that interaction. Do you remember Zacchaeus? Do you remember the interaction that Jesus had with him? What about the woman with an issue of blood? How was her life changed? Because of an interaction with Jesus. What about the crippled beggar? Or the Samaritan woman? Or the demoniac? And that list could go on and on and on because we read about that over and over in the scriptures of how people's lives were made better because of an interaction with Jesus. And that is what you and I as Christians are supposed to do. And we're not doing it for our own glory or to check off a list. We're doing it for the glory of God. To bring praise and honor to Him through our actions. When we hear that we are the salt of the earth, that means that we're expected to bring some flavor into our interactions and into our relationships with others. Now, there's other uses for salt other than just enhancing the flavor. And I think most of you in this congregation are maybe old enough to, to remember some of those uses. Salt was used back in the day to ward off rot and decay. It's rubbed into the meat to preserve it. My Aunt Austell, who had a farm over in Cedartown, Georgia, had a smokehouse beside her house. And I used to love to go in that smokehouse and see all the meats that were hanging up there. And I got to watch that process of preservation because Uncle Gene had hogs and he had cattle. So we would kind of follow the journey of the cows in the field and, and the hogs in the, in the pen 
from the farm to the slaughterhouse, back to the farm, where Anos Stell would rub down that meat, and she would hang it up in that smokehouse. There is nothing like the smell of a smokehouse, not necessarily good, as those meats and their smells mingle together in that dark, dank place. I was totally fascinated by that process. Because one of the things that salt does is it keeps the freshness of the meat for extended periods of time. They weren't just cooked immediately. And as Christians, we have the wonderful opportunity to promote a thirst for Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I think about salt, and if I have a whole lot of salt, sometimes it makes me thirsty. We as Christians, as salt, are to make other people thirsty for Jesus because of what they see, because of what they hear from us, because of how we interact with the people around us. That should make people thirsty to want to know more about Jesus Christ. Do you remember in John's gospel, it was chapter 7, verse 38, and Jesus said these words, And let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. When we live as Christ lived, following his example, those living waters flow through us to other people. When we take the call of Jesus seriously, we live right, act right, talk right, worship right, then we have the ability to create that thirst for Jesus. A thirst that interacts with the people that we come in contact with, hopefully making them thirsty for God. And at that point, what we do is we point them to God. We point the way to God, and we share that living water. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians in our world who don't promote thirst, but they promote criticism instead. Too often, we live immoral lives, and the world sees it, and in their mind, they think, why do I need the church? They don't live any differently than I do. And so many times they are right. So I think it's a challenge for me, and I hope a challenge for you, to prove them wrong. 
That's not a goal in itself to prove somebody wrong. But what it does is it points them back to Jesus. It points them back to Jesus. But our lives have to be above reproach. That's not saying we're perfect. We're not. But we're trying, and we try together and promote that thirst for Jesus. But what about this statement that he made about being light? We are light. This is a reminder again that we live in community with each other. Light helps us to see things. It is a kind of energy, if you will, that gives things color. Light helps things grow. Light provides power for electricity. And it can be focused for specific uses. Now, as we hear that generic, those generic uses for light, think of that in a Christian perspective. Listen with Jesus' ears. It's a reminder that we live in community with others. It helps us see things, perhaps sees things in others. It gives a kind of energy, the kind of energy that is needed to promote the kingdom of God. It gives things color. Not just black and white. Christ followers are in the community for a purpose. We are a mirror that reflects Christ to other people. We reflect Christ's teachings. We reflect the characteristics that made Jesus who he was. We reflect God's justice and God's mercy. We are like light when we interact with others in the world, making things colorful, diverse, nurturing, helping things slash people to grow towards Christ, restoring or repairing whatever relationships need some light shown. These are all good works that glorify God. And this scripture text from Matthew reminds us that it is because of who Jesus is and how Jesus understood his own mission here on earth that gives us the ability, not just as individuals, but as a body of Christ, to be active in the world, to bring light into the darkness of this world that we live in. We are called to be salt and light. And Jesus is always encouraging us 
to bring that light to the darkness. To bring that light into the darkness. Because another thing that light does is it draws people to its warmth. Do you know on those cold nights when even the warmth of a light bulb will draw you to it? That's what we're to be in the world. We are that light bulb because of Jesus Christ. And we can help to attract people and draw them to God, who is light. Archbishop William Temple was quoted as saying this, and I love this. This would be one of my t-shirt worthy quotes. The church is the only organization on earth that exists for those who are not its members. Think about that. The church is the only organization on earth that exists for those who are not its members. So what that tells me that we as salt and light have to go out in that darkness. And yeah, I know that slogan that we all cling to, that if we build it, they will come. That's not scriptural, folks. That's the movie. We are salt and light, and we are to go out in the darkness to bring light to bring salt to a dark and hurting world. So when we do that, we are fulfilling God's law to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind and our soul, and our neighbors as ourselves. And that, my friends, are the greatest commandments. Let us pray.